This is episode number 95 with the CEO and co-founder of Madison Investing, Spencer Hillegas. Welcome to the Path to Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Wes Barefoot, where it's my mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs and existing business owners take control of their lives and create freedom for themselves through business ownership. Each episode, I'll be exploring the strategies and tactics of other successful entrepreneurs that have created freedom in their own lives while sharing what I'm learning along my own path to freedom. I'm glad you're here. Let's drop in. What's up, Path to Freedom listeners, and thank you for dropping in to another episode. Today, my guest is Spencer Hillegas. Spencer is the co-founder, along with his wife, of Madison Investing, a real estate investment firm specializing in real estate syndications. Really enjoyed talking with Spencer because he's got a great story, you know, um, great kind of corporate background as an executive at a very young age with some you know, very big tech companies and just kind of on his own started figuring out passive investing. And in that kind of became a go-to expert for friends and colleagues and other people in his circle that saw what he and his wife were doing and how they were creating these passive income streams. So eventually Spencer and his wife got to the point where they said, Hey, let's break away from corporate America. Let's start our own firm. Uh, which is now Madison Investing. So interesting story. Spencer's clearly an expert when it comes to investment strategies and particularly uh, various types of investments in the real estate sector. So a lot of good information here. I love talking to people like Spencer because while he has nothing to do with franchising, which is kind of my area of expertise, um, he's working towards the exact same goal that I'm working towards and that all the listeners are working towards charting his own path to freedom, his own path to financial freedom. And Spencer has a ton of good advice for anyone else that's looking to do that. I'm a big believer in diversification. I think that we all need multiple income streams, uh, some more passive than others. And I think if you know building wealth is part of your long-term strategy, real estate investing has got to be a, a component of that. So ton of good information here. With that, let's drop in with Spencer Hillegas. All right, we're live. What's up, Path to Freedom listeners? Thanks for dropping into another episode. Today, I'm joined by Spencer Hillegas. Uh, hopefully, I got that right and, and didn't butcher your last name. I, I usually check on the pronunciation before we record, but um, slipped my mind today. Spencer, thanks so much for uh, joining us here on the show, man. Glad to have you. Yeah, Wes, what a wonderful way to start the day. You know, I'm on the West Coast, so this is still morning for me. So thank you very much for having me. This is a really fun range of topics. And we know we've been trying to get this on the calendar for a while. So we made yeah. it happen, man. I know. I'm excited about it. Love love the topics that you're going to be able to uh, speak to today and, and educate us a little bit on, as I was sharing with you before we just started recording um, you know, the real estate investing is something that we're really trying to get more active in and and learn about so that we can go about it in, in a smart way. And and I also think the timing of, of having this conversation is pretty cool as well. But hey, for, for those listening that that are probably not yet familiar with you and, and what you do, give us kind of a quick overview. Um, you know, what's what's your business, what's your main kind of working focus and, and anything, you know, from the personal side that you want to share with us as well. Absolutely. You know, and again, I, I genuinely love talking about this, the, these topics with you, Wes. I mean, this is some of the most important stuff. And I don't mean real estate. I mean, um, time freedom, you know, being available to be a parent. You and I were chatting about our kids and, yeah. and uh, all the wonderful things that come along with that before we kicked off today. So I love talking about this stuff with you. And hopefully, you know, folks listening get get a lot out of this. So um, I'm sitting here in the Bay Area, California. Um, I'm currently the you know CEO, you know, co-founder of Madison Investing, which is a private investing club. Um, and so that's joyful 
frankly, for me. Um, I'm formerly a tech, uh, tech leader of 13 years. Um, I was leading and building operations and sales groups for five different fintech companies, mm-hmm. finance tech companies for 13 years. That's what I did. It was my passion. I mean, I found myself even leading teams of 200 plus people earlier than I probably should have somehow. And <laughs> um, I was in my, in my mid twenties and, you know, managing people that were twice my age and having to be taken seriously and working my butt off and learning the hard way, through, yeah. you know, failing forward. So that said, uh, before that, I used to be quite embarrassed. I don't know why. And, you know, I used to be embarrassed to tell people that I grew up in a real estate business. Um, my dad was a broker uh, here in the Bay Area, California for uh, 30 years, a residential right. broker. He made me work in his business, you know. And so I didn't understand that at the time, Wes, but like I was very much in and around this entrepreneurship culture, even before mm-hmm. I realized that's what it was. And watching him wake up at 4.30 in the morning going, why the heck would any human being want to choose to wake up at that time of day? Um, And lo and behold, uh, in a moment, I don't know if we'll go there, but during my journey to walk away, which I did back in October, 2019, um, walk away from my W2 career of 13 years in tech. And I I had been building Madison Investing uh, for for years on nights and weekends and early mornings, like 4.30 a.m. And it became so significant and required more of my time to work with hundreds of investors that we work with now that I pulled the ripcord, if you will, and walked away from that career despite making a great income. And uh, it was right before COVID, five months before COVID. Um, and folks started asking me, well, are you guys doing okay? Are you guys worried? Are you guys nervous? I mean, you just quit your job. Aren't you terrified? And you, I mean, you can attest to this, Wes, starting your own thing it is inherently terrifying, but we had never been and, and have not been more stable than we are right now uh, on the financial front. And, that, and that's, this is not a humble brag. This is so hard fought. Um, the last thing I wanted to share with folks, because it's been so incredibly personal and formative for me and for Jennifer, who's my co-founder and my CEO, COO and my wife. Okay. Um, that's a separate podcast. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> I think looking back, you know, I try to question like, what are these values and things that motivate me now to get up every day with a little bit of fire, you know, under my butt to go and add value for people somehow. And I, I watched my dad's business really uh, disintegrate. I mean, implode after a series of very challenging times. And, and I won't go TMI here to put people to sleep or, or, or some sob story, but Briefly, we went through a dark decade, as we call it in our family. And it basically was like, lost my younger brother at the time to cancer. This is many years ago. Oh, wow. Um, uh, you know, parents got divorced, which is quite common in those situations. Mm-hmm. And then lost both set, uh, set of grandparents within like a few months after that and in a car crash. And then it was just kind of like real big dominoes falling. And, mm-hmm. and around that time, we watched an, an entrepreneur that was in the top, you know, top three in the country for a time. In the 90s, I watched his business shrink significantly and our lifestyle shrink significantly. And that was because of active income and one stream of active income that he was providing for the family. That was the principle I apply in our lives now. And I didn't understand that fully at the time. I was a teenager, you know, and and I was working for him doing open houses and cleaning out fridges for properties that we were getting ready for sale. And, you know, all that, the gross, boring gopher stuff that young folks do. Sure, Um, sure. But now I, I look at that and that's why we went from having Jennifer's career, my career, dual income, household, grinding, dumping money into 401ks, celebrating that, thinking it's the right move for us. And now having literally dozens of income streams coming into our household from passive investments that we have made and continue to make um, at least a half a dozen times a year uh, right now. And so that's now what we help other people do every day. So that, that was a mouthful, but thanks for- uh, No, letting no, me for thank you for sharing. and. I mean, it, it resonates with me, right? Because went through a similar transition. I chuckled when when you talked about the timing of of kind of breaking away from the corporate career. Uh, I think you said October 2019. I was February 2020 when I finally cut ties with my last W two job, and you know, kind of went all in on the consulting. And we had we had one other business that that was already pretty well established and and generating good income for us, but nonetheless scary, right? 
Um, and then on top of that, yeah, you know, COVID kind of comes up out of nowhere and it's very uncertain. And, and yeah, everyone from the outside looking in is looking at you like you're crazy because in, in their eyes, this is just some unfathomable risk, right? You're, you're walking away from a salary, knowing how much money's coming in every two weeks, you know, commission, bonus opportunities, benefits, all that. But in reality, and, and, you know, thank you for sharing the, the story from your family, because, you know, it's, it's lessons like that, that, you know, I think help a lot of people realize that, you know, Hey, it's not as secure as it may seem or feel to have that one primary source of income, that one salary. Um, and, and at the end of the day, you're trading your time for money, right? Which is not necessarily a bad thing, especially if you like what you're doing and, and it allows you to take care of your family and provide and all of that. But it's, it's not, it's not true freedom, you know, in, in the sense of you have control over your time and can still live the the type of lifestyle that you want. So, um, yeah, I've just come to learn that, you know, it's actually in, in my eyes, less risky to be in control of your livelihood. And, and I think the best way to really do that long-term and make it sustainable is to be di diversified, not have all your eggs in one basket. And so, you know, love, love hearing from someone like you, that, you know, you guys have dozens of income streams at this point. And, you know, six times a year, at least you're investing in new passive income streams. So, you know, would, would love to kind of, I guess, just pick your brain on, you know, with Madison investing, what types of clients are, are you guys working with? And what are some of the key areas that you're able to, you know, help them advise them in when it comes to setting up some of these different income streams? Yeah, man, you hit on so many points really eloquently there, Wes. I mean, I want to bite on them, but I know that that, that would be more something we could talk about offline a bit and just self-indulgence. Um, I think one of the joys in in helping our investors, it's all started very organically, you know, like, like we didn't set out someday as a guy who's, you know, as you could see, I don't think the listeners on the podcast can see, I got a bunch of tattoos and I used to play in, you know, punk rock bands and stuff. And it, I, I didn't care inherently about things like finance. Mm -hmm. I, I found it quite uninteresting. And over time, you work for companies like Intuit, you know, worked there for five years. It was very good to me. And then I went to a bunch of earlier stage financially focused companies that did accounting software, really dry stuff that puts most people to sleep. I but think Gu was Gusto one of the companies? It was. So, so it we was. work with Gusto and one of the franchise businesses that we own. That's the, the vendor that they have partnered with to handle all of our, our payroll and stuff. Oh, that's so I'm, awesome. so I'm familiar. We use yeah. them too. <laughs> we yeah. use them for our own business too. Yeah, there you go. Payroll. It's, it's so funny and full circle, you know, and that it's a is. great product. That was the reason I joined them in the first place. I was employee, I think 51. Oh, um, wow. So, that was early. Yeah. That was 80 to hundred hours in the office a week at that point. Um, that's a whole other story. I, I think uh, that said, what we do these days, you know, stepping back a bit, is just first and foremost, we had to get comfortable. And I think this is helpful before I kind of go into the nuts and bolts of like the sure. investing stuff. I mean, there's two real profiles of people that we work with. Um, profile one, very similar to what we where we were in our in our working lives for, for over a decade. Busy professionals, you know, folks from all industries. It started off with, frankly, just we were investing in our own our money. Mm -hmm. we, we had gone through buying a local rental property because we I studied it, nerded out. I listened to 24. I'm sorry, I read 24 books in an 18 month period, educated myself, devoured educational content, 400 plus podcasts. That was way overkill, Wes. I mean, I didn't need to do that. It was, <laughs> it was maybe six books would have been good enough. Sure. But um, bought a local rental because I was terrified of this idea of buying sight unseen. Yeah. That was like, that, you know, that was step one. I think a lot of people go there. We still own that rental. It's in Vallejo, California. It costs $430,000. That's a California property rental right there. And it's gone up a lot since then, but it generates only $200 a month in cash flow, which is not life-changing money. Nope. Um, we then said, well, that, could, that money could have gone further. That dollar could have gone further. We went to then look out outside of California and we wanted to find some cash flow. And so we aren't just pure Californians. I mean, I was born here, but we lived in other places for, for a decade plus. You know, we live in Colorado. So we know there's beautiful, wonderful other places in the country bought a series, ramped up to a series of, of rentals, 
in other states. So we, we bought, you know, got five different single family home rentals in Kansas City, Missouri is what we got up to. Okay. And 200 bucks a month to maybe 250 and $60,000 of purchase price. That's and a big difference between 430. <laughs> it's just mind blowing, you know, <laughs> yeah. for, 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 for the same amount of cash flow, right? Same or, or even maybe a little more. And, and a little more. And you could get loans to go buy these properties. So you're talking 13 to $15,000 cash per property, right? Now, the learnings we got from that, because we've since sold those, we decided it's not the right strategy for us right now. Rentals are a really great hard asset. All the things we invest in now, for the most part, are what we call hard assets. That's like mm-hmm. a real thing. It's got an address most of the time. Um, and, and that's important. I think coming back to maybe we'll chat about volatility in the current market context yep. and why more important than ever. And we did that. We sold them because there's no such thing as a passive rental period. And I, you know, I'll, I'm happy to, it's, it's, it's not a anti-rental comment. It's just a fact. It's like, right. even with a, with a property manager, you are managing the manager. You will have turnover higher than you expect. You will have all these other aspects of it. Just be prepared for that. No, it's not passive. So we realized like that first profile of people we help, those are not fits for them. You know, those are, sometimes it is, but most people working as senior software engineers at Facebook, dual income, they want to continue doing what they're doing really well, which is building software, building products that are digital. Yeah, that profile one is busy professionals working in tech companies, folks working in the medical industry in, you know, in Ohio, you know, folks living in Georgia, all over the country. This, the, the final stage that, that helped us and the second profile also that invests with us now is like really folks who want to stay fully passive. And that's basically both the working professional and it's also folks who are independently wealthy. You know, yeah. they got a few more, few more zeros in their net worth usually. And generational wealth, like third generation metal recycling owner. And in the real example, right? you got um, folks who had inherited quite a bit of money and they're trying to protect and preserve their wealth, maybe also get some tax efficiency and tax benefits from it. So that's the type of profile we see now. And folks are growing into that profile Yeah, who started in profile one by investing in the passive stuff. And it's, it's just been a joy because we really do walk the walk. Like we, we and so we, we weren't trying to go build this business at first. I was just investing with Jennifer and I were investing, building frameworks to vet these things with our own money. And then organically it was like, well, enough folks like coworkers are asking, like, what are you guys putting your money in that are going so well? Right. Um, and now we're here as Madison investing 36 deals in and uh, 14 of those have now gone full cycle because you, you put your money in, they generate cash flow along the way. And at the end, when you've added all this value to an apartment building or a self-storage facility in Texas or in Georgia or in North or South Carolina or these sunbelt markets with great population growth, et cetera. And, and, and that gets a check that lands in your, in your account every single month and you renovate and improve operations and sell that thing at the end. It sounds really kind of basic at a high level, at least to me is like, buy a piece of something you can't buy by yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because we all think that we can't go buy a big building. And so Jennifer and I went through that journey. You know, we bought small property, local. We bought a small property far away. Realized that wasn't a fit. Um, we have young kids right now. We don't have time to go devote towards the tactical stuff. We want to work on the harder, bigger stuff, serving people. So now we do these big uh, fund. We, we, do, we work on funds and we also uh, invest in syndications like multifamily syndications and self-storage funds. Um, and that's just, I'm overjoyed with how well that strategy has worked. It's taken a lot of blood, sweat, and tears and early wake-ups and, and flying on planes out to markets all the time to go take a look at deals and, and partnering with people and vetting the who. Um, very I, I believe it. There's there's a lot from, from the little bit I know about, you know, how this type of investing works to, to do it well, right? There's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot of vetting. Uh, you know, you've got to have operators, right? Um, so there's a lot of making sure you have the right operators. Otherwise the, the, the deal kind of falls apart, right. Or, or the results that, that are expected are, are not there. So kind of un, unpack this for the listeners. Um, so Madison investing, are you guys a syndication? Are you, just helping other people find syndications that that 
are aligned with their investment goals to invest in? Are you are you actually putting deals together? Or are you kind of finding deals and and then raising money to bring to these deals? How how is it kind of structured? Yeah, and I don't want to bore the heck out of people, so I'll keep this at an altitude that I think is both helpful without going too much in the weeds. I'm sure. a completely transparent, open, open book, black and white kind of dude. That's sure. why we do what we do. Because I thought when I went out to the market as an investor, passive investor, you know, uh, working full time uh, leadership gigs, I found it to be very challenging to understand which way was up and understand who I could trust and understand. Mm-hmm. How the heck to vet these things? Exactly what you said. It's a ton of work to vet these things. People don't have eight to 10 hours. I didn't have eight to 10 hours to vet those things. And well, so you're putting a lot of trust into someone and, and hoping that, that they are worthy of that trust. Yeah. I mean, you're, and this is like the, the smallest investment and the minimums on these is oftentimes, you know, $50,000 on the low end. And yep. that's not a chump. I don't care how big someone's net worth is. That's never chump change. Yeah. That's a big, that's a big amount of money to trust someone with. And mm-hmm. so um, what we do is we basically go and we put our own money as LPs, limited partners. We wait, let, let that take about six, 12 months, ideally seasoning to see how they're going to do. And okay. are they communicating and, and meeting these five-part framework criteria that we put together? And I mean, I've got 70 bullet points of vetting questions behind these and stuff. It's quite nerdy. Uh, we don't have time for that though, is number one track record, you know, number two approach. I mean, you've got communications, you know, you got values, you know, you got the team, each of those has sub bullets, you know, within it galore. And sure. Of, of all those things, we vet those things. And then ultimately the structure is quite simple. Um, taking away the acronyms, I join our partners in, in the general partnership team. Okay. And once they've passed our vetting criteria and we say thumbs up, thumbs down, as they send us deals that they've identified, they want to go buy a big risk that I identified in the market when I was trying to invest our money at that point, before we got active West was that a ton of folks are popping out of coaching programs and in marketing themselves as, as, as deep experts. And I am so incredibly comfortable in my skin now, and I'm very proud to say that it took a lot of hard work and still does, but I don't want to manage assets in Texas. I want to work with people who I can complement with my skill sets and our strengths as a company, and they want to and are passionate about doing that, and they are there. (laughs) And so... I can vet economics. I know how to vet partnerships and who, because I've interviewed hundreds of thousands, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of people at every altitude prior to my career, et cetera. I don't want to do a resume list here, but like, it's, that's the, that's the move is I join them in their, their ownership uh, structure. And then we help bring in the members of our group who want to join us in investing alongside. And, and we do that about six times a year. Um, and so it's, it's really been a joy to help folks kind of realize these are not just only for the hyper super rich. I mean, the, the, this is really for, you do have to be, at least with us, I'm registered with FINRA and that mm-hmm. puts most people at ease because it's apparently quite unusual in the real estate space. Um, folks don't like being too much on the grid. And yeah. I, I, I am so comfortable with that for my tech FinTech career. I'm just like, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. You know, I'm a hundred percent like, yeah. All my emails are tracked and audited. Like I'm fingerprinted by the FBI and then database, all this stuff. And I have to disclose literally every risk and mitigate every risk and all these things. And so um, that's how we, that's how we structure these is people can see that our deals we announce once they're all vetted and stuff and they, they respond, raise their hand, say how much they want to commit. And, and then, uh, you know, they can watch all the diligence. We do a ton of diligence and educational material. And then um, if, and when they want to catch up on the phone about it, um, always happy to do that. Of course. I mean, this is not chump change. So, yeah, uh, I think it's a great approach and, you know, something you said earlier, because, you know, if, and I don't claim to be an expert of any sort when it comes to real estate investing, but what I, what I have learned, or at least what I, what I believe to be true is that if you're looking at just pure ROI, it's the multifamily, um, properties that that are going to generate the highest ROI and and you know what you said earlier is so important too right that if you if you have a long-term rental or or even a short-term rental for that matter it's far from passive even if you you know outsource the property management and stuff like that like there will still be time that you as the the property owner has to invest 
there will still be uh, fires that you have to put out from time to time. It's it's not going to be a purely passive investment. So what you're doing, what you're providing for your clients is, you know, very strategic, well-vetted investment opportunities where it can be truly passive, but they can also get a piece of something that by themselves, they they likely just wouldn't be, you know, in a position to, uh, to, to do. So I think it's, I think it's great, but to your point, it's, you know, for someone that's not highly educated on these types of deals and what to look for and what are the risks and, and all of that, it's, it's so important that you have that trust with, with whoever you're, you're working with and, and essentially investing in or, or investing through. So, um, you know, love the transparency that, that, you know, you've shared with us here. So, I mean, how, how have you, I know you said it started organically. How have you gone about kind of growing the client base once you guys decided to, um, you know, make this your, your full-time focus? Yeah. You, you know, it, it's interesting because I, I want to maybe just amend a comment I made earlier too about coaching programs and I'll tie it back to your question as well, Wes, which is like, I have, when I first got into this style of real estate, not just residential, which I understood very well at that point. Uh, I, I am a believer in investing in one's education and I have used some of those myself. However, the, the issue is when you have people come out claiming to be experts, right? Yeah. And, and they haven't built a track record yet. And so, you know, kind of as we went out and started talking to other fellow investors, like we were putting our money in and we're like, we want to talk to other people who are doing this and understand like, how are they doing it to continue improving and refining the framework for our vetting? Um, so it, it was really me like going and talking to our own, to my colleagues that, you know, that's that first wave circle is your former friend. I mean, your friends, sure. your former colleagues, you know, all those things. But the irony is most of those folks know you as that previous career, right? You know, they know you as your friend. They know you as the tech leader of 13 years. They don't know you as the guy who now runs a, a small uh, private equity company um, that works with, you know, very, very large amounts of money and very wealthy people at times. So start with that. Our number one lead source uh, for new members, because we're all about the quality. We don't want high quantity. We really don't. And a, a, lot, a lot of firms out there are trying to, you know, there's nothing wrong with this. This is their business model, but they'll do sponsored ads. They'll do mm -hmm. all kinds of marketing content. That's awesome. If it's your fit. Yeah. Uh, we are niching down and that means serving a very specific couple audiences of folks and we want to get to know them well. And so I, uh, I got to know that first ring. We had folks start to invest with us. Our number one source of new members is referrals from current investors. Yeah. Um, this the number two is, I mean, frankly, having a discussion like this from time to time um, yeah. on, a, on a show and just sharing our actual journey uh, ends up apparently resonating with a lot of folks uh, because they can relate. So yeah. it's, they're, they're, they're talking to people who are walking the walk, you know? Uh, and, and so that, that's really it. I, I did hit it uh, very hard. If you want to say it that way on LinkedIn, like uh, on social media at first, mm -hmm. frankly, it didn't generate a ton of like new members or investors, but it did help educate and almost create another sense of connection that a lot of people could reach out on. And it was a wonderful source for us to be able to also make an impression on all the active folks in these other cash flowing markets who are operators themselves mm -hmm. and make those really strong connections that way. And so, yeah, because there's there's really two sides of this for you, right? There's the 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 members, right? The the clients that you're helping invest, but then it's the the other side is you know having the relationships with the smart operators and the people that can you know, actually put the deals together. It's, it's very similar to, to what I focus on. So, so as you know, from our chats, you know, we, we are pretty heavy into franchising. That's how we got started on, on kind of what I call our path to freedom. We own franchise businesses and, and we'll likely continue to, you know, strategically invest in franchise businesses in the future, but it's not passive, right? So we're at a point now where, you know, we've been able to kind of get to that that place where we don't rely on an employer. We have good income from multiple sources, but time is our, our biggest challenge, right? We don't have much more bandwidth. So we're at that point where the the strategic passive investing is 
kind of like the next level for us getting, getting into more of that. Um, because it's, I don't care what anyone says, you know, there's no such thing as a passive franchise or business that, that you can own, right. Unless you're literally just an investor, but, um, in the franchising world, there are franchises that can be much more passive than others, but there's nothing that is truly passive. Um, but anyways, it's, it's half of what I'm doing is vetting the hell out of franchise companies that I work with and, and can feel confident recommending to someone as I get to know them. Um, and then it's developing relationships with, with people that have an interest in learning more about franchising, understanding what types of opportunities are out there and could that be a direction that they want to go in. And, and I think for me to do what I do and, and do it well and actually add value to the people that I'm working with, I've got to get to know them at, at somewhat of a personal level. Right. And it sounds like that's the same approach that, you know, you and your wife have with Madison investing and the clients that you work with, because, you know, maybe there's some small differences here with with some of the the passive real estate investing. But when it comes to a franchise like there's there's not a one size fits all approach. Right. What's a good franchise for me very likely is not the right franchise for you. And so for me to connect with someone and say, hey, here's the five hottest franchise brands out there. Go take a look and, and let me know what you think. Like. I'm one step better than a search engine, if that, you know, so, but, but if I can, it's true, right? I mean, anyone can Google like, and, and, you know, whatever list comes up is either people that paid, you know, companies that paid to be on the list or, or, you know, could be a great, great franchise, but still doesn't mean it's a good fit for you. So I've got to really dig in and get to know the people. Where are you today? Where are you looking to go? Right. What are, what are you what are you not on track today to do that you want to be able to do? And, and, you know, in, in my world, it's how will owning the right franchise help you get there? And what does that need to look like? And then I can really use the knowledge I've developed with all these franchise companies say, Hey, based on everything I've learned about you and what you want to accomplish, here's three brands. I think you should really take a look at and here's why. And, and so anyways, this isn't about my business, but it sounds like a very, similar approach. And in my mind, if I'm looking at investing in an area that I'm not an expert in, I want to have more of that personal kind of relationship. And, and I want to have that, that level of trust for sure. Yeah. I'm not as likely to, to be the guy that clicks on the, uh, the Cardone capital ad uh, I see on Instagram and, and just throw $50,000 in. Well, I appreciate you sharing it about your own business though. Whether I think that that is like, so relevant and timely for folks in general, like stepping back from me and, and even stepping back from your business, like um, the ability to go online and research something is a blessing and a curse. <laughs> yeah, and it is. It's a yeah. wonderful thing because we can all go more than ever, like on, on a very nurse, nerdy personal note. I'm a better guitar player now than I ever have been because of all those wonderful online courses versus being a teenager and taking a lesson to a guy that I would drive to and yep. take a lesson. Right. But I think on terms of research for things that are more complex, higher stakes and financial decisions of a $100,000 investment in another state with a person you've never met face to face, I would call that pretty high stakes for most people. Yeah. Um, and that is something where a Google search alone is not sufficient diligence, in my opinion. And, uh, the, so, so, and here's the curse, right, is that I'm going to use this term called boomerang investor. And uh, okay. I, I think I'm the first term, first person to use that in this context. I don't think it's that fancy, but it helps articulate why online research is a curse. Um, oftentimes, we actually have three people in our investing group of hundreds who are this example, unfortunately. And they're, they're friends now, and they're investors that are very happy with us, but they had to go through this painful boomerang ex investor experience where they're sharp. Brilliant, IQ, high, electrical engineers in tech company. You have a guy who's an operations leader in a different one. These are sharp folks. They have ample capital, dual income households in the Bay Area, California. They say to themselves, I've been doing this for years. I want this passive income thing to start working. I know real estate is a great asset class and I know it's gonna be really like, like risk adjusted uh, in terms of the, the current market context. Um, so. Why is that relevant now? Well, they go out and they buy these properties that are targeted in markets that they love. Mm. They know they can manage these properties. They think they can do it themselves. So they want to bootstrap this stuff themselves. They want to go out and do it. 
even though they have a full-time job, they have multiple children that are young, they do it, it doesn't go great. And it's, this isn't a message that no one can do it. I want people to take the leap regardless of what path they go in real estate, but I want them to do it in a self-aware way. And one of them stuck in a legal battle that's dragged on for three years for tenants that won't leave. And it's in a state they have to get on a plane to every time they have to go and deal with it. Oh man! The other, the, the other one is overextended on leverage. And now they are basically facing going into a, a market cycle downturn with parallel projects that could implode. Mm. They have, and so I can go down the list not to scare people, but it's more the fact that like, just because you can, it doesn't mean you should. And right. going out and getting a quote unquote bigger return because you think a something on a passive gives up too much to the operator. I would challenge people that are going to DIY research and they want to, particularly right now, the big thing that scares the crap out of me on behalf of many brilliant, hardworking professionals with good capital sitting out there, they're about to go dump money into a downturn thinking they're going to quote unquote, buy the dip mm-hmm. or wait for the downturn. Not only will they not get those properties because they're not on the right list with the right relationships. Those are already spoken for. <laughs> um, they are not, they're not equipped to go and do this and they won't want the type of work. They're signing up for a job. And right. so the online internet, sorry for the diatribe, but I think now wow. out of, hopefully it serves people well. <laughs> no, it's, I, I think it's great advice, right? I mean, I think, Yeah, it's definitely a blessing and a curse having easy access to so much information because, you know, it doesn't matter what topic you pick, franchise ownership, uh, real estate investing, whatever, like you got someone trying to sell you a course, you got, I mean, you just have so much noise out there. So even deciphering like what's legit, what's not, what's someone's incentives or motivations for trying to get you to take a certain action like there's there's just so much that that you have to kind of decipher. So again, comes back to trust and in my opinion being so important. But I mean, uh, everything you just shared about some of the the challenges that that people you're now working with have faced and are facing because they tried to go at it on their own. It it to me it makes a ton of sense. There's a lot of parallels we could draw between that and the benefits of investing in a franchise business versus starting something from scratch, right? You pay a fee up front to, to become a franchisee. You pay a percentage of your revenue on an ongoing basis back to the franchisor. A lot of people look at that and say, well, that's crazy. I could go start the same business without, you know, I can save the $60,000 franchise fee. I can save the 6% royalty and, you know, whole laundry list of reasons why, Maybe that makes sense. Maybe it doesn't. It all depends on the franchise and how much value they're actually adding to their franchisees. But having an expert that knows what to look for, that knows what to advise you to look at. So if you go go into something like buying, and it's it's relevant for my wife and I, right? Because we're, you know, sitting on a lot more cash than I feel like we should right now. And so we're like, where where do we put this, right? And we do want to be strategic yeah we we want to be strategic yeah with the inflation and everything i mean it doesn't make sense to be sitting on this much cash we want to be strategic and take advantage of you know what what's happening what seems like it will happen in the market and and time it right but i i could go make a very dumb decision and say hey i'm going to buy this rental property because i think it makes sense but what do I know? I'm not an expert. I haven't spent a ton of time. Like I would much rather say, Hey, let me, let me link up with someone that I can share my goals with. I can say, Hey, this is what I've got to work with today in terms of how much capital I can invest. What do you think? Right. What, what do you, what do you recommend? Um, it's the smarter approach, right? Have to do it. I mean, and, and I think that the, the thing that I found frustrating as an LP, because that, that's really the hat that I put on here. Like it's, uh, although we are, you know, I'm, I'm quote unquote CEO of our company, right? Um, I wake up every day and think I'm a passive investor, but I also have to go now serve all these folks that are investing alongside us. And so if that's the, if that's the posture and I'm going in to think about, well, what's the right move now in this market context? Like what, what makes that team that we're about to go deploy is a significant six-figure number into personally and, and vouch for as dozens and dozens of other people across the country are going to go invest in with us. 
like how can I sleep at night knowing that this is the right move? And like that, that's the stuff that has to be talked out. And so when people reach out, I, I, I found this experience that I want to, I want to create an opposite experience for folks if they talk to me, which is like zero time pressure ever on anything. And that means uh, complete transparency and complete uh, objectivity. I mean, no human is totally objective, but what I try to basically do is just tell them, frankly, I don't care if, if people choose to uh, in, like join our group or invest for a group, but I do want them, if they interact with anything um, on email or with me in general, I just try to be helpful and be a sounding board. And that's it, seriously. And, yeah. and that, that, that serves us so incredibly well. Like we don't, like you know, people ask all the time. We had an investor recently who's worked with us now for years. He's invested seven figures with us of his own personal money. He's a sales leader, very successful sales leader out in Colorado. And he asked me, he was like, Spence, what's like holding you to us, you know, um, or, you know, holding us to you guys if like we wanted to go and invest, you know, elsewhere. And I was like, nothing. <laughs> and, the, and, the, and then that's not going to ever change because not only do I want people to go and do diligence and educate themselves, I want them to also understand that like, there's no such thing as a good investing strategy that involves one type of investing. Like it, it, diversification does matter. You know, is, is our own portfolio comprised heavily of is most of it in real estate? Yes, it is. Do we have equities investments? Yes, we do. Um, is it smaller than it was when I was a W2 employee maxing out my annual 401k? Oh, you better believe it. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. and like, I mean, I'll even use my retirement funds that I acquired from four different tech startup companies because you get, you pick up those things like, like collectibles along the way over the years. And, and now that's all being deployed into self-directed retirement accounts. So I use I that money into, uh, into these investments, like, you know, self-storage facilities and apartment buildings, even did a medical office earlier this year with that stuff. And so it's, it's, um, it's really just a, a different way of thinking about it. So when people reach out, I want them to feel like they're they got more ammo, you know, they got more um, they've got more knowledge that they can operate with, and and they come back around and they challenge assumptions and they might have deep questions and 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 I welcome those, you know, the, that, that that that's a good thing. Uh, pe people should be going and nerding out as much as they can because that's empowering uh, oneself on their education and financial journey, and that and that's part of the thing, man. Is is uh, if you're going to be an entrepreneur, you better believe you better get curious. You better, um, yeah, you better get curious and you better get comfortable, you know, having ups and downs, right? It's, it's a roller yes. coaster, but it's, you know, I, I love, I love that approach. Cause it's, I, I think to your point, if you've only got one investment strategy, you know, you're, you're just, you're, you're susceptible to what if something happens? I mean, nobody saw the pandemic coming, right? I mean, uh, a recession you know, it's the, the market cyclical, right? So we can, with, with some level of accuracy, kind of predict like, okay, it's been good for a while. So we're probably going to have some sort of a, but like nobody saw the pandemic coming, right? And nobody, there was no playbook for how do you, how do you ride this thing out? Right. That's um, right. Cause we hadn't, we hadn't been through it before or, or not to that, to that level. So, you know, you've got to, you've got to be diversified and, and, as we've talked about working with experts is so important, but along the way you should be learning and, and at least becoming closer to an expert yourself. Right. At least that's yeah. the, I mean, everyone I work with, I tell them, cause it's, you know, big significant amounts of money that people are investing to, to, you know, do a franchise. They're not paying me, but I'm advising and, and helping them, you know, make these decisions helping them navigate the process at least it's not it's not a decision that should be taken lightly and it's certainly not a decision that someone should be feeling pressured to make or to hurry up and make a decision so i mean i That's tell right. everyone off the bat because my compensation in my business is uh from the franchise companies right so my time my services for the people i work with are completely free there's no obligation and I know good and well that I can spend a lot of time, months and months, if not a year or more, working with someone, and it never actually puts any money in my pocket. So I tell people right off the bat when we connect and are, are trying to determine if it makes sense to work together, look, my number one goal is that you learn more about franchising than you know today, that you determine whether or not owning a franchise could even be right for you. And, it, and if the conclusion is that it's not 
great. That's a win, right? I'd rather help you figure that out now before you've invested a lot of money and time to find out that it's not the right fit for you. Or if it's simply that the timing's not right, great. Uh, at least now you have more of a foundation to work off of if down the road you say, hey, maybe the timing's better. Let's look at this again. And hopefully if they've had a good experience with me, I'm the first person they're going to call. But the point is, I, I believe, and, and it sounds like we're, we're very like-minded in this, that if you do right by the people that you're working with and keep their best interests top of mind, if you're focused on educating and adding value, that's that's going to create the best scenario for everyone involved versus, you know, what could be some short term wins if you, you know, maybe act in a way that's not in the best interest of a client or someone you're working with because it does, you know, generate some some income for you. You know, oh man, you have so many things you teed up there eloquently that like made me want to go down a, a rabbit hole. I, I, the go. one thing I, I was hoping to comment on there, Wes, is like, an idea that's so simple now in hindsight, and I wish someone, I wish I can go back in time in a time machine and just explain it to myself, which is now I look at it at a high level of two, there's two big parts of this engine to both become and stay wealthy over time. And it sounds really kind of like a duh when I say it out loud, but step one, you have a two, you have engine one is build capital that that that's your first engine you have to come up with and i'm using the term engine loosely i'll define that in a sec the second one would just be grow grow capital right so build capital grow capital real simple first one of build capital the light bulb moment for me was that you know what you know passive investing your way to massively increasing your wealth is probably going to be it's a slow wealth game right people it's, it's not a get rich quick scheme mm -hmm. and Maybe some, if you're working with somebody who markets it that way, you better run. Yeah. Um, that is, that <laughs> yeah. is not a good sign. Yeah. Um, that's, a, that's another guru that took a course and is all of a sudden an expert. Exactly right. You know, <laughs> because I'm a guy who likes predictability. I like operations. That's the world it came from. I like, I like spreadsheets uh, when, when, when I have to um, yeah. and all those things. But I bring that up because someone takes hundred K drops it into a passive investment is working a full-time job where they make $400,000 a year and their spouse makes the same amount. And they both work at a big five tech company. Those people actually enjoy their careers. They might complain about them. Sometimes they might have occasional pushes that are highly stressful. They might not be able to see their kids as much and have the flexibility, but you go ask them point blank. And this is based on at least three dozen people in our current investing group, literally yeah. exact, exact jobs. Um, and and they will say, oh, no, I don't plan on leaving, you know, and they're very well-spoken, highly articulate, mild-mannered folks, but they're razor sharp and yeah. they don't want to leave their jobs at Apple, at Facebook. And so what do they want? Well, they want an, an exit strategy and mm -hmm. they want an exit strategy in 15 years. That's right. They want an exit strategy in 10 years. Their capital engine is their job. And so that's the part that I think throws people off. And it threw me off at first too, which was oh, I need enough capital to go. If I want to do true freedom, I need to go build a hustle. If my job's not my hustle, I need to build a hustle. And the hustle can be a side thing. It can be a full pivot. I don't recommend pivoting cold. I recommend pivoting in phases. That's what I Same. did. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's a little bit foolhardy, particularly now I would argue to just pull the ripcord, quit your day job and go out and do something you've never started in the first place. I was hustling 4 a.m. to 6 a.m. for two and a half years. Uh, every day without fail and building my business and then packing in more hours at night to build our business on the, on nights and weekends in the mornings. And I'm not doing this to brag. Or it's, it's just to help people articulate and understand when you read about passive investing, going and dropping hundred K chunks, not only terrifies people that most people are like, that's a non-starter. That's a non-starter. Yeah. And so then go Believe in your ability to go and do something, providing a framework, frankly, like, like you do at your company, Wes, is like a wonderful way to demystify that stuff because then people can go generate a business that at least gives them more flexibility and potentially that income to then go and build whatever investing engine. And that's the second big step to a deploy capital, invest it over time, keep the money in motion. Keep it tax efficient. Try to mm -hmm. shelter as best you can. Yeah, all the way that you know, all, all legal ways, of yep. course. And that that's the move. And um, and that and there's so many wonderful ways to do that. So I appreciate you bearing with me while I kind of got that thought out of my head. It's just it's such a key 
framework. And I think most people are trying to invest their way passively to a quick two, three year exit. That is not the move. It, right. It, it's it is. not, <laughs> it's, it's not. And, and yeah, I think it's, I think it's smart to look at it through a framework like that, right? Like you kind of got to go in phases. I think a lot of people want to like jump phases. Um, you got to have the, I, I like how you describe it, the capital engine first, right? And, and I mean, same with these days, I mean, especially the last several years, almost all of the people I'm working with that are interested in a franchise have a great career, have great income, right? They're not looking to break away from that cold turkey tomorrow, right? right? And, and, you know, we have these conversations up front to, to make sure there's realistic expectations that, look, nothing's passive when it comes to owning a franchise, but there definitely are what I would call semi-passive franchise businesses out there. They're designed to be manage the manager uh, type businesses, right? So doesn't necessarily require a huge amount of time input from the franchise owner, but you need the capital and you need the business smarts to know how to, you know, put together a team, manage that team, look at good KPIs and, and understand the financial side of the business. And, you know, how are we going to keep this thing growing and, and performing at the level that we need it to? Franchise companies love having franchisees that have done very well in corporate America and are still doing well because they have all of those skill sets, right? Yeah, um, so exactly. Exactly. They, they right. know how to do it, right? But they don't have the time or necessarily the desire to say, hey, I'm going to walk away from my you know, phenomenal fintech job at, at a huge company where I've got stock options and benefits and a multiple six figure a year income to, you know, start this franchise business and build it from the ground up. Even if, you know, long-term the earning potential could get close to what they're making now, it's a, it's a supplement, right? And, and it is kind of laying the exit strategy, right? They're starting to lay the groundwork for an exit strategy down the road, should they want it or need it. And in some ways it is kind of, you know, proactively setting up a bit of a safety net so that if something happens and that job they love goes away for, for whatever reason, uh, they're not starting from scratch then. Yes. So there's, there's great opportunities out there. And, and I mean, that's kind of what exactly how we did it with our franchise businesses. Now they're fairly passive for us. And that's our capital engine that is now got us to a position where, we can start looking at, hey, does it make sense to put 100K into this? Does it make sense to put 50K into this? We weren't in a spot to do that, you know, three, four years ago because we didn't have the capital engine, you know, really revving the way it is today. So that's got to come first. And then it's, you know, what do you do to protect the money that you're making as well as grow the money that you're making? Completely. Um, Let's let's talk about because I really want to get your thoughts on this. Let's talk about this impending recession that we keep hearing so much about, right? And this yeah, is another good. this is another example, at least in my mind, of where you know information uh, abundance is a blessing and a curse because you know within a five minute span, if you're surfing the web, you can see you know one person that's like, yeah, we're screwed, like we're. <laughs> It's the worst recession we've seen in, in you know, 100 years that we're going into. And then other people like, nah, it's really not that big of a deal. Six months from now, we'll be, you know, kind of back to, to where we were. So I don't know. I'm not I'm not an economist by any means. Um, the insight you have, knowing what you know, I mean, what's your outlook for for going forward? Assuming someone's got the capital engine that that we've talked about. And they're yes. in a position to make some some smart, passive investments. What are your thoughts? What are your feelings on, I don't know, next six to 12 months? We're July 2022 as we're recording this now. What's what's your outlook and, and what would your advice be to, to, I guess, clients that you're working with? Should they should they tighten the purse strings and hunker down or is this a time to get aggressive? Oh, my goodness. This is such a fun <laughs> topic. I, I, um, I mean, even just framing up that question, you got... I agree with so much of what you just said. So I'll try to keep this structured and simple because finance and economics is very boring for the majority of people in the world, right? And yeah, um, it certainly was for me for a long time, but I got to tell you, it is so freaking important. Um, to, to yep. I, the, the game plan said simply, Wes, is to thrive through it. Mm. And that means mm. leaning in. And that means turn off the damn news. Thank you. Like, like, 
<laughs> I mean, I, I get it that we all succumb to it, but I just, it breaks my heart when I hear people regress and turn back in. And this is not a political thing. This is, a, this is an everything thing. This, yeah. is like the, this is a, there's nothing productive to come from that. There's nothing productive to come from staring and doom scrolling. I love that term. Doom scrolling your feed. Yep. Doom scrolling, waking up a day, starting with Facebook feeds. I don't, I, I had to delete Facebook on my phone because it added zero value from my, to, to my life. Yep. Um, put me in a bad headspace. So now that my soapbox on that is complete, I know that everyone agrees with that. It's much harder to put it in action. So, I mean, it I, is. I, I do. It is. I'll tell you, man, I made a conscious decision. This is probably five years ago now to stop watching the news because I used to think I was being smart, right? Like get home at the end of the day and, and turn the news on, right? I'm, I'm right. educating myself as a citizen and, and hey, it's better than like watching a show on Netflix, right? It's, it's productive. It's a no. It's all negative and it's not a political thing, right? Like I can tell my parents, hey, stop watching the news channel you watch. And it's probably different from the news channel that my brother watches. I'm like, dude, stop, stop watching the news so much. It's just nonstop negativity, uh, doom scrolling. I, I love that, that term. Um, but yeah, it's just, it, it'll put you in a terrible headspace. And look, at the end of the day, like, yeah, we can vote, right? Which is important and we should. Uh, but other than that, like the stuff you're seeing on, on the news, nothing we can do to impact it. Right. Right. We have no control over it. Absolutely. Great segue to the second one. Right. And, and so there's zero control you have over that. And you always will have no control over that. Neither, neither will I. And so where does that leave us? And well, you can walk out into the real world. Or you can hop on a wonderful Zoom call and interact with another um, hardworking, creative, real human being living their life fully, such as Wes and I are doing here right now. That is a one wonderful, if not the most important and, and pivotal now more than ever source of information in the world. And so talk to other humans. So um, in terms of educating yourself, that's what I recommend as step two. Turn off the news, number one. Step two, educate yourself. And I'll make that very specific. What that means is, like going and, and literally create a, a few links that you consider to be higher quality info. And okay. you know, maybe, maybe those are podcasts. Maybe that's mm-hmm. the show, right? And like high quality discussions, listen to tons of wonderful podcasts, including this one out there. So step three would be like, in terms of actual being pragmatic here, I know people want to hear some clarity around what the heck you're doing with your money. So like, I mean, we're about to put a very significant six-figure number personally into a, a new deal in about two weeks. Um, okay. And, and, and this is actually ironically in an asset class that um, is, is we also work on, like we work on so, uh, apartment communities, multifamily, big apartments. We're talking 200 units to yep. maybe up to 500 units in you know, Dallas, Dallas, Texas, Idaho, Boise, Idaho, Colorado Springs, Colorado, you know, all those North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, et cetera. Sunbelt markets all the way back out east. We're doing something in Phoenix, Arizona as well. And so these are places where Everyone is waiting for this big 2008 narrative. And the, the, the point is this, every single economist agrees on this one thing is that no recession is the same as the past. Mm. Like they just aren't, there's not a plug and play. There's no cookie cutter recession mm. there. So um, when people are saying it's, it's the end of whatever version of the world they think is happening, they don't know. No right. economist knows. No, no finance professional knows. Have they studied them more? Absolutely. Do they probably know more about it than I do? You better believe it. And <laughs> I don't, I, I'm not going to sit here and predict, but, but what I'm doing with our real, very real hard-earned capital um, is we're putting that into the stuff that I believe to be more resistant to recession. And that thesis is the exact damn same that it was when we started investing in these asset classes, because the thesis on multifamily simply said is there's not enough housing for people. That was the case then. It's even more the case now. Yeah. When, mortgage, when mortgage rates go up, which are not the same as the federal funds interest rate, by the way, I didn't used to understand that many years ago. They're not the same rate. I learned that They're, recently. Yeah, it's, it's crazy, right? Yeah. And so mortgage rate goes up. What happens? It prices more people out of the market yeah. to buy. Yep. They go rent. That is something that counterweights potentially maybe a little softening on values for the properties. But that's the other thing is like, you're buying and de-risking these things on the front end and you're buying them right. And that buying them right is more of a financial thing. You're not making big, silly assumptions that the market will go up. Mm. And 
that's where the magic happens. Like we're about to put a big number into uh, FF Capital into, and this is gonna sound weird. We should, probably shouldn't go down this rabbit hole, but just to give folks an idea, they're gonna hear this and think, oh my God, that sounds terrifying and risky. When I first heard it, I thought it was too. <laughs> and, and this is years later, but we're investing in an ATM fund of okay. like automated teller machines, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's niche stuff. Interesting. That, you know, and that like, this is the second time we put a six figure number in these types of funds with the same team. What same I, team. I, I love the, the kind of niche, you know, off the, the beaten path kind of investment stuff. I mean, I've, I've done some reading about again, far, far, far from an expert, but trailer parks can be yeah. great. And I mean, I, I'll tell you one thing I've learned through my experience in, in working in franchising, a lot of times the least sexy businesses are the best investments, right? That's right. Um, or at least the most lucrative, right? Most most bang for your buck. Um, so I, I'm coming to learn that, you know, maybe that's the case uh, with, with real estate too. I mean, multifamily doesn't sound as sexy as, you know, hey, we've got an Airbnb in Puerto Rico that, that you know, we're looking at. Um, but your ROI, you know, or, or at least the the predictability of, of the outcome of that is probably uh, a little more stable. So ATMs are interesting. Have you looked at Bitcoin mining at all? Yeah, ironically, yeah. I mean, we. Uh, the the uh, reason I ask is I've I've connected with one other guy that that runs a, a business that I I think is fairly similar to what what you guys are doing, and and he recently did a fund for uh, for Bitcoin mining, and it, I think it was yeah, the so first one that he had done. Um, <laughs> You you might know the guy. I'll I'll tell you his name offline, and uh, and you might know him. But yeah, I mean, to me that was that was interesting because again, it's not one you hear about often. I I didn't get involved in that because I just didn't know enough, and I knew it was well, his first time own, too. Everyone's at their own their own timing in the journey. Yeah, you know? and, and and I mean, truly, like I think uh, a person has to be looking at their own goals. And I mean, if nothing else from that diatribe I gave him before you made that, I mean, I, I'm fired up about crypto mining, so I don't, I don't, I, I don't want to nerd out on you there, but I'll just say that I, I really do think that people need to go and take the time to form an opinion for mm -hmm. their circumstances based upon their goals, you know, and the simplest piece of advice I would give is goals can be set very simply before you get more sophisticated. Put away the pie chart from your 401k provider that's only there to confuse you. It's marketing. That's <laughs> yeah. marketing material. People don't know that. That's a piece of marketing collateral. That's not educational content. Yeah. Um, but how much money do you want coming in every month? Active and passive or simply passive or simply active? Just know that number. It's not a budget. Just know, know how much income to live comfortably and take care of your family and your loved ones and have some fun. And, you know, or do you want to grow your net worth? And Everything between those is like just a spectrum. It's like, do you want income or cash flow? Are you investing for cash flow or are you investing for growth or a blend of both? Yeah. And that's that was the thing I probably just have to leave you with for now, Wilson. I apologize. We have a contractor that showed up where who's here to do a remodel and he's quite eager. So no uh, worries. Um, no, this is this has been great. And um, yeah, I mean, so much, so much good information. I I could pick your brain for hours and hours. Um on all of these topics, uh, before we wrap it up, tell the listeners, where can they find you? Where can they connect with you? Where can they learn more about Madison, Madison investing? If they want to potentially, you know, talk to you about becoming a, a member, how can they go about doing that? Um, give us, give us some places and we'll, we'll post all the, the links in the show notes to make it easy for people to find. Yeah, this has been a pleasure. It's so much fun to talk to someone as enthusiastic about, frankly, just entrepreneurship and learning and let, let alone financial and freedom. Yeah, um, yeah. Because it's a real, it could be a real thing for folks. They just have to take it seriously. I mean, and, we could be watching CNN right now, but instead we're, we're having a like-minded conversation and, uh, you know, learning, right. learning. <laughs> in different parts of the country. There's no reason. I know, right? And, um, and, and so, um, yeah, our website is madisoninvesting.com. Yeah. Um, Folks can go there. And the thing I'll, I'll mention to folks too, is that this is a multi-decade mindset, truly. Like yeah. it sounds big picture and scary, but when folks come in, sometimes they'll think, oh, I'm sorry, Spencer. Like, I'm not ready. I don't have the capital or I'm not ready. My, my wife and, or my, either my wife or my husband, depending on the spouse relationship there, they're not ready. And like, that's the time you do it. Like, because this is a education journey. That's I right. Mean, like 
you know, people are going to be, we have people that come in and maybe sometimes they'll invest in a deal the next day. Um, so the other folks will take literally two years. Yeah. And I believe it. That's fine. It's fine if they don't even do it at all. As long well, as you, you got to yeah, set all goals, right? Friendly, normal people, friendly, normal people. That's the only expectation I have is that, uh, and we do, we use the accept non-accredited investors. Um, briefly, I'll just say we do. Ha I have to accept uh, accredited investors. That's okay. Just, uh, there's no certificate people need beforehand. They're, um, all they have to do is just uh, they basically go Google accredited investor. I even have like a quick five-minute video of me breaking it down. It just means you have to meet an income threshold of uh, 200K uh, a year this expected this year and then the last two. Um, or you have to have a million bucks, not including your home and your net worth. And so... Most people hit it on the income side, but would, if, businesses, even if would, would businesses uh, factor into the net worth? Yeah, I, it very much could. Yes. Um, and so yeah, we, we just want to chat offline and I can kind of get, I can give you some um, additional yeah, video and for, send, for anyone who reaches out. Send me a link. If, if you think about it, send me a link to that video you mentioned. We'll post that in the show notes because that is important for people to understand. Um, you know, are you, are you going to be able to qualify to be an, an accredited investor um, or not? But um, Spencer, man, thank you so much. I really appreciate this. We'll have to have you back on the show at a, at a later time to, to dive deeper into some of this. And I also want to hear uh, some of your stories about playing in rock bands because uh, <laughs> I, I hear you've got some, some interesting stories from, uh, from that part of your life as well, but Hey man, a real pleasure. Thank you so much for making time to be on the show and thanks for everything you're doing to, to help people, um, you know, learn how they can build wealth and create freedom for themselves. So keep up the good work. Yeah, well, same to you, Wes. I'm so glad we made this work. And like, I would be honored to come back. It's been an honor to be here today. So we'll set it up. We'll people. set it up. I'm going to stay in touch for sure. Cool. Thank you, Wes. All right, Spence. Thank you. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you'll know when a new episode is released. You can also check me out on my website at www.path2frdm.com. And if you want more information about franchising or just want to say hello, feel free to contact me at Wes at Path2FRDM.com. Thanks again. Now go drop in.